Father, this morning, would you guide us to your perfect light, the Lord Jesus. Would you guide us to truth? Would you guide us to understanding? Would you guide us to your will and to obedience and to faith and to trust? And to living out what you have done in us among those that we walk with. So Lord, as we look at your word today, we trust you to illuminate in us. To show us truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been looking at these main players of the Christmas story. We, we titled it, The Characters of Christmas. We looked at Mary and Joseph, and when we examined the life of Mary and Joseph, we, we learned that we should trust God's plan for our lives. That what we understand and what we think ought to be, sometimes God just absolutely steps into our lives, and it's an intersection that we don't see coming, and there's a collision that we could not anticipate, but He shows us Himself, and He shows us His goodness, and He shows us a purpose that's far beyond anything we can expect. And from Mary and Joseph, we learn to trust God's plan for our lives. And then we looked at the shepherds. And when we looked at the shepherds, we learned the truth of being available for God to interrupt our lives. They were going about their work. They were doing their thing. And out of nowhere, God says, hey, this is what happened. This is what's going on. And I want you to stop what you're doing and come to where the action is. God does not want us to be sideline followers. He wants us to be people that are in the game. He wants us to be players in the competition, if you will. And He wants us there. Today we're going to look at the wise men. In the book of Matthew, chapter 2, if you want to take your Bibles, tune it to your phone, whatever works for you. But Matthew, chapter 2, um, verses 1 to 12. It's titled, Wise Men from the East. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born, has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they, talking about the chief priests and the scribes, the religious people, the pastors and the teachers, the seminary professors, these are the people that he inquired of and they asked, and they said, He is to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. Now that prophet would be Isaiah. We know that. He keeps talking to us. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. 
When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child and Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. The scripture tells us in Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20, He that walks with wise men shall be wise. So today we would be wise if we walked with these wise men on their journey to find the Christ child. We don't know a lot about these men. In fact, what we know is just absolutely everything that you just read. We know that they're called magi, magician, um, scientist, astrologer. There's a lot of things that can be attributed to him. We don't know the exact number. We say that there were three wise men. We say that there were three kings because of the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We don't know their names. Historically, there have been some names attributed, but there's nothing verifiable there. We know that they came from the east. That is probably the Persian Gulf area. We know that they had contact with the King Herod. And we know that in their contact with him, that he secretly summoned them and said, I want you to go find out if this baby is real. I want you to go find out where he is. But other than that, we don't have much except that when they were confronted with an opportunity to find the Christ, it says that they got up and they went. Mary and Joseph, when they were confronted with the opportunity to be in, intersect, have their lives intersect with Christ, it says that they went. When the shepherds had the opportunity to, to be with Christ, it says that they got up and went. The story of Christmas is get up and go to Jesus because Jesus came down to heaven to be with you. So all of them teach us that. They teach us to allow our lives to be changed, to be interrupted. They teach us to trust God's plan. They teach us to follow. They teach us to seek Him out wise men still seek him those that sign that bumper sticker is that meme on facebook is in a lot of different places and it says that when they found him they worshiped him it's interesting to me that that the first question of the new testament is is found in chapter 2 verse 2 where is he who has been born king of the jews if we keep, as we kept reading through, reading through that passage, when they asked the question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? It said that they had been paying attention to the signs and the wonders. There were things that pointed to him. And when they saw him, they got up. They did not know if he was there, but they were seeking him. But I want you to notice something about those wise men. They were asking a question, where is he who is born king of the Jews? They went with not full understanding, but they went fully prepared for what they hoped they would find. It says that they left with gifts in their hand. They didn't go and say, well, when we get there, if we find him, we'll run over to Big Lots or, or to Fred's or to wherever, and we'll buy a gift and bring it to him. It says, know that they went with it prepared in their hands. This morning, I have to ask you the question, did you come today prepared? 
Did you come today prepared to worship the King, Jesus? Did you come today saying, it's Christmas Eve, I'll go to church? Did you come today saying, man, if God does something cool, I'm going to tell Him thank you? Or did you walk in the door expecting Him to intersect your life? The wise men didn't have all the answers, but they knew that if they found the answer, they wanted to be ready. And it says that when they got there, they took out their treasures. It means that they were with them. They, were, they had them on hand, and they handed them, and they said, Here, I worship you. It says they left praising God. They left with what they sought. That's true to the Scripture because the Scripture says that if we seek Him, we find Him. The Scripture says that we seek Him out and He can be found. In fact, we're told in Scripture to seek Him out while He still can be found in Isaiah 55, 6. So as we break down the life of these wise men, some number of them that we don't know who they really are, but we fully understand their purpose. What can we learn? I think we learned the truth that they sought. Go back to verse 2. It goes back to that question, that first question. What they sought was the one who had been born king of the Jews. Where is he? They were asking a geographical question. Where is he? We want to journey to that place. We want to go and we want to put our eyes on him. Today, we would not ask that question exactly the same. Where is he geographically? We know where he is because we have the rest of the story. The story says that he is seated at the right hand of the Father. But even though the question is not a geographical question for us, it is still a very important question for us. Where is he who is born King of the Jews? Where is he at this moment? Where is he in this moment and what is he anticipating what is he asking of me? What is he wanting of me? What is he wanting to put into my life that is missing? Jesus, where are you? Where are you in my health problem? Where are you in my relationship issue? Where are you in my financial issue? Where are you in the, all that's going on in our world politically? Jesus, where are you? The answer is he's still absolutely right where he's always been. On the throne of the universe, Colossians 1.17 says, and holding it together. But Jesus, where are you for me in this moment? You see, sometimes we can give the big and the broad answer very easily and we can trust it completely. But we have a difficulty in trusting it in the next 30 seconds or the next hour or the next day or the next family gathering. And they're saying, <laughs> some of y'all are going to have those today, aren't you? Yes, you are. And truth, we get nervous, we get anxious because all of these things are going on. Jesus, where are you? So what these wise men taught us, this life lesson, is a good question for, asked, for us to ask today. They sought him out. Who is Jesus? Where is Jesus? How can I get to Jesus how do I respond to Jesus? How do I allow Jesus to, to take control of the situation in this moment? 
as we see these wise men asking this question, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? We begin to see some events in their lives, their lives that caused them to get up. It stirred them, if you will. The first thing that we see is that these wise men were motivated by a star. Verse 2 says, we have seen his star in the east. They were astrologers. They were astronomers. They were looking, not astrologers. Astrologers are one thing. Astronomers are another thing. They were astronomers. How about that? They were scientists that looked at the stars. <laughs> they were not predicting the future based on their sign. Um. <laughs> oh, poor wise men. Um, they have said, we have seen his star. They, send, they scan the skies with understanding. Numbers 24, 17 says, There shall arise a star out of Jacob. Scripture had prophesied that there would be a star that would guide people to the Christ. These wise men, these students of, of the heavens, looked, they saw, they asked, is this the star? Is this the thing that, that we have been taught about? Is this the thing that we have heard about? They allowed the star to guide them to Christ. Have you ever noticed or thought about that Jesus has a way of making contact with us in a way that we can understand? He intersects our lives in ways that we get it. These wise men, students of the heavens, he gave them a star. George Foreman's probably got one of the greatest stories of, uh, of conversion that you could read about, and there are many that you can read about. But George Foreman was in a boxing match, and in that boxing match, he had not fared so well that night. His face was beaten. He was in the, the dressing room, the locker room by himself. And as he looked in the mirror and he saw his battered face, they took the gloves off. And um, he says that he put his hands on his face. And when he raised back up, he saw the blood of his face on his hands. And he said at that moment, God said, that's your blood. But it was my blood that I shed on the cross for you. He said from that moment of that realization of where God contacted him in his life right where he was, he said that he became a born-again man. Not a creative man, yeah, because he named all his kids George, but he was born again. <laughs> and that's really what matters. It doesn't matter how creative he is. He just became a follower of Christ. Can I tell you today that I believe that God is absolutely intersecting and wanting to get your attention. And you say, well, how's he going to do it? He may do it in your everyday life. He may do it in your relationship. He may do it in your job. He may do it in your despair. But if you will look for him, he will give you a star. These wise men were motivated by a star. These wise men were commissioned by a scoundrel. Go back to verse 3. When Herod... The king heard this. What did he hear? He heard the question of the wise men. Where is he who is born the king of the Jews? 
he heard this. He was distraught. And one of the things that history, Josephus, and Scripture tells us about Herod is that he was a very, very paranoid and very, very evil man. If you threatened him, he killed you. If you questioned him, he did something. He was manipulative. He was always looking for the alliance that would give him the upper hand, that it would prepare him. In fact, the only person that he probably ever loved was his wife, Mariamne. And he had her killed. And it says that he, after her death, that he ran through his harem. And after running through his harem and not finding satisfaction, he, he left, he killed his wife, he ran through his harem. He then went into the streets, and into the streets he caught a, a disease that he believed he looked off in the distance and the person he saw was his wife who he had killed had returned and he said I knew it was her and she's come back to haunt me and he died a madman so this is the type of person we're talking about this is not a normal person this is a person who is sick this is a person who is demented they're psychotic if you will he was troubled But notice this, it says that when Herod the king of the Jews heard this, he was troubled. But not only was Herod troubled, it says that all of Jerusalem was troubled. Now why would Jerusalem be troubled if the despot, if the dictator, if the one who was going to cause all of this havoc was out of here if there was a new king? They were troubled because, historians tell us, and and other things that lead us to understand this, they were troubled because they knew that every time that Herod was threatened, he went on a killing spree. And now there was somebody there. There was going to be unrest in the land. There was going to be uneasiness. There was going to be instability. So Herod's troubled because somebody's coming to get his job. Jerusalem's troubled because things are about to get uncomfortable. For them. They are commissioned. It says to us in verse 7, it says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men. You see what he did? He played a little game here, a religious game. He called in the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers and he said, Tell me what this means. And they said, Well, the baby's in Bethlehem. But when they called But when they didn't give him really what he wanted, he went outside the church, if you will. He went outside and said, hey, magi, magicians, these people, come in and tell me what's going on. I want you to do this. And it says that when he had secretly called the wise men, he determined from them the time the star appeared. And he sent them. So these wise men, they're motivated by a star. They're commissioned by a scoundrel. And they are educated by Scripture. Go back up to verses 5 and 6. So they, now this is the scribes and the Pharisees, said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, For thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, the profundity of this to me is that the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious people who knew the truth, 
who could look at Herod and say, the scripture has said he will be here, were not willing to get up and travel five miles to see the one that had been foretold would be the deliverer of their people. Herod is opposing Jesus. The religious leaders are apathetic towards Jesus. And the wise men are seeking Jesus. You see, every one of us are going to be in that scenario. We're going to have, when we get on our journey to seek Christ, there are going to be people that oppose us. Oh, it's weakness. Oh, he's not real. Oh, you need to do this and oh, you need to do that. They will oppose us selling out to Christ. There will be people in our journey to Jesus who will be apathetic. Uh, I'll get up tomorrow. Yes, maybe I'll read that book. Or, you know, one day I'm going to open up my Bible and I'm going to read it. There will be that. And then there will be the wise men who are asking the question, where is he who is born the king of the Jews? And they are doing whatever they can to get to the place that he is. You notice that they didn't go alone. They did travel in a small group. We need each other on this journey. They're educated by Scripture. Just thinking back to these scribes, these Pharisees, these people, the chief priests. When they were asked the question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? They had all the answers here, right? I mean, they were asked a question and it immediately came out. They didn't have a head problem. They had a heart problem. You could say they missed heaven by five miles because that was the distance from where they were to where Jesus was. You could say that they missed it by 18 inches because that's where they're head is and that's where the heart is this morning has your obedience caught up with your knowledge has your have your choices aligned with your understanding the story of Christmas is that Jesus left heaven and he came to earth to seek out those who wanted to leave earth and go to heaven. Herod couldn't stand the competition. The religious leaders didn't want to be bothered. Wise men still seek him. So we have the truth that they sought. Where is he who is born king of the Jews? We have not only the truth that they sought, but we have the truth that they caught. Go back to verse 9. Where it tells us, um, then Herod, verse 7 says, When Herod had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. That was a lie, by the way. Verse 9 says, When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star guided them. Until it stood over where the young child was. Interestingly, Matthew in this 
chapter 2 gives us that word young child several times. He gives us the thought of this baby. He wants us to understand that he didn't come as the king in regalia, but he came as the baby in swaddling clothes. That was to help us to understand the truth of Scripture. Who, who is the child? They've asked the question, where is he? When they got there, they said, who is he? Well, Scripture will tell us that he's the son of David because he's the Jesus of prophecy. It will tell us that he's the son of Mary because he's the Jesus of history. It will tell us that he is the son of God and he's the Jesus of eternity. Jeremiah 23, 5 and 6 says that Jesus came from heaven. That's where he came from. What did this child come to do? Take your Bibles. This is worth just a side trip. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 15. Paul, in helping us to wonderfully understand this passage of Scripture, guided by the Holy Spirit, wrote in Romans 15, verses 8 and 9. Romans 15, 8 and 9. In asking the question, what did Jesus, what did this child come to do? He says this, he says, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy as it is written. So Jesus came as a servant to the Jews to fulfill the promise that He made to Abraham when He said, go and to this place and to the promises that He made to the fathers of history. He came to fulfill the promises of redemption for them, for the people of Israel, and to the Gentiles. He came to confirm God. To show God's truth. He came to confirm God's promises. He came to show mercy. So that mankind would and could glorify God. These wise men. They sought the one that was born. They sought truth. And when they sought the truth. They found the truth. So we see the treasures they sought. We see the truth that they caught. We understand from this passage. The treasures that they brought. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. And when they had come into the house. Now you do remember this, was not, this did not transpire in the, in the area of the stable while Jesus was lying in the manger. This was about a two-year period of time that lapsed from birth to them arriving. So it says, and when they had come into the house, they being the wise men, into the house where Jesus, Mary, and Joseph lived, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented to him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What is the significance of the three gifts? The gold is a gift for a king, reminding us that he would rule and reign for all of eternity. The frankincense was a gift for a priest. They would wear it into the Holy of Holies. It was an offering to God that was acceptable. It was an aroma that was pleasing to Him. Recognizing that He was the high priest, not only who would rule over us, but He was the one who would represent us before the Father. He was the one that would declare us to be righteous. That's Jesus. 
And then oddly it says they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, myrrh was a spice for embalming. It was an antiseptic. Now, I'm just thinking about Dallas, pregnant with child. And I am invited to a gathering and says, Hey, Dad, we're going to have a gathering. We're celebrating the baby. You're supposed to bring a gift. And I walk down here to Mara Florist, and I say, Will you give me the absolute prettiest funeral wreath that you have? Because I'm going to my grandchild's baby shower. And I walk in with all pride and glory and say, Here's my gift. She's probably going to kick me out. What an odd thing to bring to a birth. But they brought the gold for the king. They brought the frankincense for the priest. And they brought the myrrh for the sacrifice. It says that he came to take away the sin of the world. We know that Hebrews tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is not any, absolutely none whatsoever, forgiveness of sin. We know the history of the Old Testament that said that you brought your goat, you brought your dove, you brought your calf, you brought all of these things and through the blood that was shed that there could be forgiveness. But it was, it was an ongoing, you had to perpetually sacrifice. I would have to be a land baron and a rancher. I would, can't even imagine how many bulls I would have killed in my life. But He, Jesus, died one time for you. He died one time for me. He died for the sin of the past. He died for the sin of the present. And He has died for the sin of the future. And if you're in Christ, it is all cleansed by His blood. You can have forgiveness of sin. Now, interestingly enough, if you go to the book of Isaiah, chapter 60, verse 6, all that we've been talking about is His first coming. But Isaiah chapter 60 verse 6 talks about his second coming and the gifts that will be brought to him at that time. And they bring very similar gifts. They bring gold because he's a king. They bring frankincense because he's the high priest. But do you know what is not present at his second coming? There is no myrrh. Because he once died to live forevermore for the sin of everybody sitting in this room today. Jesus. The truth they sought, the truth they caught, the gifts that they brought. There is power in the blood of Christ. There is power in the one that we celebrate his birth today. And I don't know. I have no idea. But I would venture to say in a room this size with the number of people in it, that we have all come in here with life happening. And some, if not all of us, are asking the question, where is Jesus right now? Where is he in my life? The wise men sought him. The wise men found him. Let's go back to verse 12. Then being warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod. Why would they not return to Herod? Because Herod was not wanting to worship him as it said to us in 
verse 8 and 9. But he wanted to kill him. The wise men changed directions. And they left worshiping and glorifying God. No clue how you came in here today. But the wise men sought him. The wise men worshiped him. The wise men left glorifying God. You can leave today glorifying God. How? Jesus is looking to intersect your life. When you find him, fall down and worship him. And follow him. You can walk out today a different man, a different woman, a different child. Some will come and see him for the first time and say, Jesus, be my Savior. Some will come and see him after salvation and say, Jesus, be my Lord again. And some just are here today with the question, where is Jesus? The authority of his word is if you seek him, you find him. 